0: Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy.
1: Well, welcome. Uh, if you've never been here before, my name is Nate. I get to serve here on our dream team, and I'm I'm so excited for today. Uh, today, Pastor Jason is out preaching at one of our partner churches. It's an arc Church in Walnut Creek, um, and he I love Pastor Jason's heart to raise up leaders and communicators. And today, what we're doing is something so special. It's called Five. By five, and what what this? Ooh, okay, you're already hyped. You don't even know what it is yet. Just kidding. Um, what this is is that we're, we have. He has given five different up and coming communicators within our house five minutes each to share something encouraging and uplifting with our congregation. And so today, today, today's just gonna be fun. I want us to be engaged. I want us to be interactive. And um, I promise that that after talking with these incredible communicators, people that I know really personally, I can't wait to have have them join me on the platform. Um, But God's gonna do something amazing today. The same way that we feel his presence and his spirit in worship, man, I know that God's presence and his spirit is all over the things that we're going to be talking about today. Um, So why don't we give a very warm welcome to our five by five panel. Come on, give it up for them. We'll do some intros. I guess I'm. I'll awkwardly stand over here. It's one by four, I guess. Here we go. All right, cool. Um, Now, like I said, I I I love all these people. I have a a personal great connection um, with every single one of them. Uh, First, here we have uh, my wonderful friend Tyler Hanley. Can we please give a round of applause for Tyler Hanley? He serves on our production team here. And uh, man, he is just an incredible example uh, of someone who is is living a life for God. He, he's All these people, they don't work for the church. We have normal jobs. We have things that we do outside of this. Um, and, and Tyler, something about Tyler I want to share is that I've known Tyler for nearly 10 years now. And uh, when we were both living in Florida, um, I had the privilege to share the platform with him there as well on many different occasions. We worked in the same ministry and department. Um when we were both working at a church, and he is just a powerful communicator. I'm so excited for him to share today. I love you. I'm so proud of you and thankful for your presence in our lives. We moved out, and he's like, well, I guess I'll go too. So, um, but we're just so happy that, that you're here, Uncle Tyler. Uh, next, we got, next, we got Jasmine. Can we give it up for Jasmine? Come on. Um, Jasmine serves on our guest experience team, and she has this, like, supernatural zeal for life. I, man, just your presence and the way that you talk to people and treat people, it is inspiring. And I cannot tell you the value you add to not just Sozo Church, but to our life, and so I want to thank you so much for that. Come on, she is powerful. She's sassy. It's going to be great. I love it. Um, next, we got Angelique. And, yeah! Yo, you got your own. You got your own fan club over there. What's up? I'm surprised there's no like phone fingers out or something. Um, Angelique, I, I, you have since the moment you started coming to Soso, and I know more of your story that you may share today. You may not. I'm not sure, but um, there has always been something so different and powerful about you, and. From the moment you walked in, I think that all of us on our team were like, man, there's, there's something so special about her. And to see the last few months, I, just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like you've stepped into this new presence, this new confidence that you, I mean, you've always been a boss, but like you've <laughs> stepped into this confidence that's like, it's so refreshing. And I, I cannot tell you how amazing it is to see what God is doing through your life. And so thank you. Thank um, you. And last, but certainly not least, my man, Will, over on the Will Will's that guy that dresses so trendy that you're like, man, I wish I could do that. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I wish I could pull that off. How do you do that? Um, But more than that, Will, so Will is also on our guest experience team. This half of the table, I guess three quarters of the table is on the guest experience team with me. Um, And just to see Will take a leadership role. He's not just about getting people to serve, but he's developing leaders. He has a small group on every Tuesday night that he develops leaders. You're hard to develop people and to be educated and to help educate others. It is, it is truly inspiring. I thank you for the presence that you add, the value you add to our team and to my life. Um, man, I'm just saying, it's a party up here. If you ever want to be a part of the party, come and join the guest experience team. I'm just saying. Um, But what I love about it is it's not just people holding doors, but we have leaders and people in place who are, are looking to develop people around them, and that is someone like Will. So I thank you so much for that in your presence. Um, and last, definitely least, my name is Nate. Uh, like I said, I serve on our, our dream team here. My wife, Kayla, and my daughter, Lena, we all serve at some capacity. Lena definitely greets from here, uh, from time to time. She's a year and a half years old. Uh, a year and a half years old. That didn't make any sense. That's fine. Um, but today, let me just say, it, like I said, it's fun. We are, we're pretty hardcore. It's five by five, meaning at the five-minute mark, if they're not done sharing their word, we have a basketball buzzer going off to get them to sit back down. Uh, we want to respect your time, but also, like I said, this is supposed to be a, a day where we're just connecting and, and, and communicating as a family. So um, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I think we're going to start this thing off. Who's excited for today? Anyone excited for what's going down? And the first one up is my man, Tyler Hanley. Come on, give him a warm welcome.
2: Well, I'm just going to get right into it. Today, I want to talk about hope. You know, we have just a short amount of time here to speak with you today, but my hope for you is that you would be encouraged today, and it would last a long time. And so hope has an interesting place in our life. It's in our movies. It's in our songs. It's in our language. It's a part of our life. Uh, It's mainstream. And uh, hope is something that can be positive and something that we also can just say sometimes. You know, we say, hope you have a great day, or hope you feel better, or I hope rent prices go down in San Francisco soon. (laughs) Maybe we don't believe those things, but we say them. Hope can also be found in the Word of God, which is interesting because the Word of God, the Bible, is full of some of the most terrifying and overwhelming circumstances I've ever seen. How did hope exist in these people's lives? Well, an intriguing story is that of Joseph. And if you don't know Joseph for his story, no worries. Just think about a time when you were incredibly irritated with one of your siblings. Shouldn't be very hard. Uh, his his brothers they hated him. This was a big theme in his life, and kind of under- Understandably, Joseph's father loved him more than his other sons, and he even gifted Joseph this beautiful cloak to exemplify his love for him. So they, they hated him. A couple of other things you'll learn about Joseph if you read about him is that Joseph was a dreamer. God had given him incredible dreams about his life to come. And he also, with that, struggled immensely for 13 years. His brothers sold him into slavery. It took 22 years from the time that Joseph received his dreams from God until they were truly fulfilled. How many of you know sometimes God can give us dreams today that are meant for tomorrow? It's in the anticipation that our faith can be built. And Joseph exemplified, waiting on a dream. You could say that he hoped for something that he could not see. Joseph waited on a dream. But when I think about hope in our world today, I have to wonder, do we treat it the same? Do we treat it like Joseph did? If if you're going to get anything from this today, I want you to get this statement right here, that by faith, by our faith, and only by our faith, we have a living hope. Right, We have a substantial hope. It's not just a wishful thought. It's not just a good intention. But we have a living and breathing hope. You see, today, hope has often become just a front rather than a faith. We we send good thoughts. We hope for the best. And yet, we have something powerful on our side. It should be different for us, church. And it can be. Romans 15, 13, it says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that hope and power are connected. They're bound together, and we can experience all of that. But here's where it gets hard. When our lives look like Joseph's, when they're full of struggle, how can I hope when my life is a mess? Well, let me tell you, church, there is one way to do that and that's simply living like he lived. I pray that we could become a church that would dream and hope wildly. I dream wildly in a literal sense. I sleepwalk all the time. It's true, you know. Nathan, my sweet roommate, he understands. He deals with it almost every night. I think about sleep a lot. You know, sleep is an interesting thing because uh, we pretend to sleep before we actually fall asleep. Have you ever thought about that? We don't do that with anything else. I think, I think, I, got, I gotta go, guys. I think, I think it's because sleep is not just something that we do, it's a state of being. And sometimes we have to force our bodies to rest even when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel stressed, when we feel anxious. And church, I know there's some of us in here today and we are spiritually overwhelmed. We are anxious, we are stressed, we are broken and we're thinking, how in the world am I supposed to hope for anything in all of this? Why is it so hard to be hopeful when my life is in chaos? And I think it's because hope is not just something that we do, it's a state of being. It's something we often have to force ourselves Into. We have to say to our somewhat broken spirits, No, I will not be discouraged because I have a powerful Savior and I hope in Him. Let me tell you, when the diagnosis is overwhelming, when your faith is dwindling, when your emotions are against you, when the finances are dwindling, listen, church, we have to look at ourselves and force ourselves to believe in the reality that is true. We have to tell ourselves that we have a powerful hope in the name of Jesus. Jesus has the ability to eradicate your struggles. By faith, he will heal you. By faith, he will fill you. He will renew your strength. He will give you power. By faith, Jesus is a living and powerful hope. And he loves you.
0: All right, I'm gonna just go into it, okay. So every single person in this room has a past, and if you're like me, your past wasn't like all good. Growing up, I didn't have the best relationship with my father, and as I began dating, I found myself quickly in an abusive relationship. And after a year of dealing with abuse, I'm like, this is not for me. Except I didn't leave feeling like, woo, hear a rim and roar, I'm so triumphant. I left feeling dirty, I left having a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. But I love Isaiah 43:18 for two reasons. It's the word and it's solid. But then two, God got a little hood right here and I like that too. He said, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And in order to compare something, you have to have something else. See, God wasn't seeing me the way that I viewed myself. I saw myself as unlovable, untouchable, and I operated out of shame. But God had shame, and he looked at my shame, and he had a God strategy for it. And I began to walk in faith. But if I'm being candid with you, it was very ebb and flow when I was in when it made sense, and I was out when it didn't. But then this year I said, you know what, God, I'm tired of being in and out with you. I'm tired of being hot and cold. I wanna give you my all. And I was like, I'm not turning back. And I saw God do and have seen him do amazing things. And I landed a miracle job here in the city, and I had so much impact and so much influence that I was able to launch my own organization, Heal Yourself, for girls 16 through 18 to be exposed, empowered, and encouraged to know their gifts, purpose, and identity in Christ. And, yeah. Okay, cut it out. And... And as I was praying, okay, God, what's next, what's next for the next season? It's funny how God answers us a lot of the times with a set of instructions. And he said, okay, you've been you stewarded well, you've been faith-filled, but it's time to leave this job and do this organization on your own, through me, watch what I can do. And usually in that moment, from my past, that's when I would step out, abort mission, God, you're asking me to do a lot, I don't know if you're really gonna come through. But then I said, you know what? I don't know if everything's going to be successful, but I do know that God's promises are yes and amen. He's a promise keeper. He never changes his mind about you. We change our mind about ourselves. And a lot of the times people ask me, they'll say, I feel like God really answers your prayers. He comes through for you all the time. And I'm like, I don't really know if that's it. I just believe that I've understood that faith and comfort don't go hand in hand. God's going to ask you to do things and step out of your comfort zone to lean on him. The Bible says lean not on your own understanding, which means translation, you don't know it all. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense to the people around you. But when you begin to walk in faith, God is going to walk it out and you're going to start to walk with a little spiritual swag. So then I really believe though, right now that there are some people in here that really believe that God can transform, you believe that God can take filthy rags and make them new. You just don't believe he could do it for you. And if you were like me, you disqualified yourself so long. You looked at the dark place you were in and said, how could God use this? I remember walking in the restroom and not being able to turn the lights on, not being able to look at myself because I'm like, how could God use me? But God said, forget all that. Yeah, I know that you dealt with some shame, but forget all that. I have strategy for it. Yeah, I know you had some pain, but I'm going to turn it and make it into promise. Yeah, I know you experienced some pain, but there's purpose on the other side of that. Yeah, I know you dealt with an addiction. Yeah, I know that there's some abuse that you dealt with. Yeah, I know you turned your body over and over to men and women constantly over and again, but that hell you experienced, there's heaven on the other side of that. The Bible says that all things, in Romans 28, he takes all things. If he Takes all things, he's gonna take the bad, he's gonna take the good, he's gonna take the ugly and bring glory to what he can do. By faith, you need to move into purpose, you need to believe that God can do something in your life. Look at me, I'm up here preaching to you, and I never even thought I was qualified to be loved, be married. And look what God has done in my life. If you don't believe that He can do it, nobody says your faith needs to look like mine. But you need to start somewhere. The Bible says you need the faith the size of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is so tiny. Just have a little bit of faith. Make it practical. Have a little bit of faith to begin praying every day. Have a little bit of faith to begin serving. Have a little faith to believe that God will turn up and walk and move you into purpose. God, I am believing that these people in this room, you'll take this. Seed. And don't make it just a spiritual euphoric high. By faith, Lord, begin to, begin to move them into purpose. Amen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Amen. alright you All right, y'all. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you heard it said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. But I submit to you today a new iteration, for we walk by faith, not by certainty. You see, church, there's been a confusion. We've gotten certainty mixed up with faith. We want to know the outcomes before we even start. We want the results before we put in the work. We want to gather all of the facts so that we can make an informed decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. We got to make informed decisions. That's not what I'm saying. The problem is, when we start believing that God needs to do what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. Because that begs the question, what happens when he doesn't respond? My question for you today is, what happens when you perceive God to be silent? When you perceive God to be distant? It reminds me of Mark chapter 9, where this dad approaches the disciples with his son. His son has a suicidal spirit, and I'm not trying to make light of that. He was being oppressed demonically. This this spirit would take his son and throw him into the fire to try to burn him. It would take his son and throw him into the water to try to drown him. And he and I imagine this dad just exhausted, just having used up all of his energy, exacerbated himself, and finding no solution comes to the disciples and says, please heal my son. I think the disciples in that moment kind of look back and like, yeah, we we kind of seen a situation like this before. We're going to pray uh, and then he's going to be healed. But what happened was they prayed and he wasn't healed. I can think about that dad thinking after that moment, is God even hearing my prayers? Is God even present in this situation? Why didn't God heal my son? And maybe he mustered up the courage to ask Jesus himself. He says, if you can do anything, Jesus cuts him off right there, he said, if. In contemporary terms, let me tell you what that dad was saying. He was making a declaration of uncertainty, he was saying, is there even a God? Because I'm not seeing the healing work, I'm not seeing the the, the prayer being answered. And in that moment, Jesus says, everything is possible for those who believe. And then we come across this moment, one of the most vulnerable statements I've ever come across in the Bible. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is not intimidated by your uncertainty. He's not intimidated by your doubt because in that moment, he doesn't even wince. He goes, he releases the word, and immediately the son is healed. Let me tell you something. Real faith requires real doubt. Your doubt will not bring you further away from God, but yes, it will bring you closer. What I'm afraid... Is that we've allowed our faith to go to the extent of an outcome when we need faith simply in who God says He is. And the the truth of the matter is that life has a funny way of showing us that who God really we only know who God really is when God is all we got. And I think about Daniel chapter three because we need a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego type faith. We need a even if he doesn't type faith because they, they disobey the king and they don't, they decide not to bow down. And the king goes, All right, y'all, I'm going to sentence y'all to death into a fiery furnace. But they say, Hold up, before you sentence us, I got some words for you. I'm going to tell you, we don't care. We're not going to worry about that because God's got us. He's more powerful than you. But catch this. But catch this. He says, even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to you. And the king is like, all right, turn it up seven times harder. Let's get them in the furnace. But here's the thing. I don't want to make light of this. Here's the thing that I want to tell you. I know that some of us are going through unfathomable pain. And let me put it in natural terms for you. Because the story's not over. Your story is not over. In fact... If you look at the sun, go with me into this philosophical abstract. If you look at the sun, if you stare at it for long enough, you'll become blind. You perceive darkness, but that doesn't mean the sun doesn't stop shining. A baby in the womb of a mother can't feel the mother, can't see the mother, can't hear the mother, yet the mother is ever-present, still nurturing and providing sustenance without fail. Your story's not over. God is with you. He sees you. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar looks at that situation and he says, there are not, wasn't there three in the furnace? No, now there's four. And the fourth one looks like a son of the God. And I'm here to tell you, that is the son of God, Jesus, who is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Amen. Amen.
4: Hey, Will, don't, don't start my timer yet. Will, I mean, that was, that, Will, you're anointed. That's all I got to say. Hey, listen to me. I grew up here in San, who's from San Francisco? Okay, 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 Flair. I grew up, I grew up in San Francisco, the youngest of two older brothers. And so triumph for me was like survival, Like, literally, if I survived practicing Macho Man Randy Savage moves on a nightly basis, that was triumph. I mean, my mom would tell us, don't come tell me unless you're bleeding. So triumph for me, I felt like I was built for it. And then I started to play sports, naturally. I was the smallest, but the loudest. I was mostly the only girl on the schoolyard. So I had something to prove. I never got picked first until I started to win and then I got picked before my brothers and that was a whole nother problem. (laughs) But triumph for me wasn't just an ordinary win. I had things against me and I had something to prove. And so when I won, I walked in victory. I talked in victory because it wasn't a win, it was a triumph. And so as I went through life, I learned, you know, there's going to be some things against me. Maybe I walk into boardrooms where everyone doesn't look like me. Maybe they don't talk like me. Or maybe they don't know I stopped going to college in my second year because I felt like I had to go and make a living instead, and so what am I really doing here? But see, through my life, I'm so thankful for God and the fact that he equipped me with skills and talents to play basketball, Hey, y'all don't know, I don't look like it now, but I was the truth. Like, like I was good, for real. And and, and 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 through basketball, there's some things you got to know. One, you got to believe you have it in you. You got to just know. You got to walk in knowing that it's in you, or like my kids say that I coach now, it's in you, it's not on you. It's something really special about faith. Do all of you know that faith has been given to you? It's given to you. It's not something that you deserve. It's not something that I deserve. It's not something that you can create. It's not something that you can build. It is given to you. So you have to walk like it. You have to talk like it. You have to know it is in you. Here's the thing though, it doesn't just stop there. It's not enough to have it in you. You have to work to build that faith. And that's easy to say. But how do you build faith? How? How, when things are against you, when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? How do you build faith? The first way is you got to hear the word. Look around you. Who are the top three people that you talk to throughout the week? What are they saying to you? You see, because it's easy to win when, when life's going your way, but what about when you're faced with tragedy? You know, I I had just turned 23 years old, and uh, I hadn't been out of the house in probably 11 days. In fact, I was with my mom. And this day, I decided to get in the car, and on the freeway, I had a pretty dope car. First of all, it was a Monte Carlo, cloth top, went very fast, double engines. And on this particular day, I decided I've been through a lot. I have been through the worst tragedy of my life. The love of my life was murdered two weeks before. And this is the reality of of my San Francisco and my life here. And I decided in the drive, "Ah, you know, he's in heaven. I think if I go to heaven, I'll see him again. And so I'll just drive really quickly and see what happens. And maybe I'll end up there. And I hit 80, I hit 90, I hit 100, and the phone rang. And it was my mom, and she said, I need you here. And I stopped. I thanked God that I heard his word, and I asked for the next six months, why am I here? Why am I here? And then I met a little boy who was six weeks old who would then be neglected and would need a parent. And so through faith, I learned my responsibility. How many of you know? that through faith, you can build your relationship, and through your relationship, it will reveal your responsibility. And through your responsibility, you will walk in life. Thank you, Buzzer. Amen.
1: If I knew it was going to be like that, I would have given you a couple of my seconds. I'm just saying. Um, well, as we close it out, I'm, I'm going to start with the point is this, is by faith, we will beat the odds. By faith, we will beat the odds. I have always had this affinity or this love for underdog stories. I don't know what it was. When I, growing up, my, one of my favorite movies was Aladdin. I love that movie. And it's just, it's like this lost boy, he's, you know, he's like, he like comes to the top and there's a whole story behind it. And I think it's because I, I felt like I related with that. See, nothing that I grew up with positioned me in in a place to to be where I'm at today. I didn't come from money. I didn't come from a a preacher house. I didn't come from people who were educated. My family didn't go through that train. I wasn't equipped or handed things that maybe some others were, and so I felt like the underdog, and and that was something that I related with throughout my entire life. I was this awkward, weird kid in my grandma's basement because my mom was hustling trying to figure out how we're going to make it work, and so I felt like an underdog, which is why when I came to the faith, I I fell in love with the story of David. I love the story of David, and since I can remember being a Christ follower, actually accepting Jesus into my heart, I've prayed this prayer, God, make me like David. And there are countless reasons why I have that prayer, but the main one is because he was an underdog, right? Like the story of David and Goliath that maybe many of us have heard, where you have this small shepherd boy just hanging out with some sheep. He had fought off a couple bears and lions and things like that, but he hears a about this giant Goliath who's coming against his family, his God, his community, and he goes to the king. He says, yo, let me at him. He is like this small kid. The armor doesn't even fit this boy. He doesn't have battle experience. He doesn't have warrior experience. His dad actually even forgets about him when the king comes and says, hey, who's going to fight this giant? But David steps up, and his dad laughs at him. His brothers laugh at him. His The king laughs at him, and when he gets to Goliath, Goliath even is like, what, what is this? Because he... he The odds were stacked against him. He was not equipped with anything. He had a slingshot and a couple of rocks And he looks at Goliath. He says, you know what? I know I might be small. I know you're bigger than me. But man, you're not bigger than my God. And I'm going to defeat you. And what David does is he takes one of those stones. He whips it at Goliath's head, knocks him out. And then in the most like boss fashion ever, takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. He conquers the giant because by his faith, he knew who God was. By his faith, he beat the odds. And we can too. By faith, we will beat the odds. By faith, we will be the odds. And I love it because it's not just a promise for back then. It's a promise for us now. In 1 Corinthians in uh, 1 27-28, 1, it says, Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. What that is saying is that by your faith, God has chosen you, and by your faith, you will defeat the odds. Because by faith, David defeated Goliath. By faith, he beat the odds. By faith, Gideon beat the odds, and he defeated an army of over 130,000 with 300 men. By faith, by faith, me and my family have beat the odds, and I came as some awkward kid in my grandma's basement to be up here and tell you, you are, you're still in it. And if you have faith, you can defy the odds as well. By faith, God beat the odds through a child and healed my wife of a disease that no doctor could find out, and it wasn't our ability. It was by our faith that God defied those odds. By faith. God will beat the odds in this city of San Francisco where churches are going to die, and he will make Sozo Church a hub where people are going to find out who he is, not for Sozo's name, but for Jesus' name. By faith, we will beat the odds. I promise you we will, and here's the deal. We might not all be like David. One and done, right? He had one shot, and he did it. It's like, dude, how did you, come on, man. Like, we might not all be like that. But David didn't just bring one stone. He had extras with him he knew it might not just take one. You might need to get up again. You might need to throw another stone. You might need to get up and try again. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what kind of underdog you feel like in whatever situation, your workplace, your family, whatever, but I promise you, get back up. Get back on the horse. Try again. Try again and watch how God uses you and by your faith, you will defeat the odds. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for today. I thank you that we get to serve a God who is faithful to us and that by our faith, you are powerful in so many ways. And so God, as we hear these different words, I pray that something sparks a, a, a calling in someone's heart right now, that we look at the gifts and abilities that we didn't give ourselves but God, you've given these communicators an ability to encourage, and God, I pray right now people feel encouraged in here to go and use whatever you've given them to go and reach other people, Father God. I pray that we walk out of here knowing you far greater than how we did walking in. God, and I pray that right now that those who are feeling a tug of the Holy Spirit, maybe you're in here and you would like to accept Jesus Christ in your life for the first time or the first time in a long time. We're not gonna uh, take a, a long time to do this, but God, I just pray that they would sense your spirit and your power over their heart right now. That, God, today we would accept you into our heart, that if it's the first time, God, we're, we're coming home. If it's the first time in a long time, we're coming back. And, God, I cannot wait to see the amazing things you do, not through just the people on the platform, but the people using all their gifts and all their abilities out in the world. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Man, come on, can we give some praise to Jesus? Come on! We've had, man. Yo, you guys are amazing. Like, come on! God is doing powerful things in this house, and I don't wanna take a moment away from, uh, from the rest of the service before honoring our pastors, Jen and Jason. I, I I wanted to make sure that we took a time because man, pastor Jason if you're watching with us right now online I want to thank you for being a pastor and a leader who shares the platform who raises up other people and gives people the space to use the gifts they have thank you thank you thank you on behalf of all of us it's not just me that's our heart we all were like man how are we we have five minutes how are we going to honor him every like minute you know what I'm saying we're so excited about the things that God is, is doing in this place. Can we please give up one more round of applause for our communicators as they exit the platform? Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.